This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I am Aaron. And today we're talking about season four, episode three, titled Something Beautiful. This is a beautiful, beautiful man, Gail Boddicker. <laughs> uh, what did you think of this episode? Uh, again, I liked it. It's, you know, uh, it, it continues to use the what's becoming trademark Saul, Better Call Saul stately pace, just taking its time. You know, uh, showing us the staging of the wreck and showing the half-assed cousin crime scene investigation uh-huh. and the, you know, to spend the, 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 the tremendous amount of time they spend on the bullshit Hummel caper. Uh, oh, yeah, they do spend a lot. But it's entertaining. Uh-huh. Like, unlike last, I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's different on the pacing or there's just a, a renewed sense of urgency or now that, like, there's some real stakes with the, the, the war going on between Gus and the cart, the shadow war between Gus and the cartel. But, like, mm-hmm. my patience for it is a lot more than last year, and I don't feel like the season's even kicked into gear. Like, you know, so I I I thought it was great. I thought it was really great. What do you think? Yeah, I still think this felt like an episode where we're mostly setting the table um which is fine you know every season needs those breaking bad for his crazy uh go nuts as i remember that show being also had its episodes where yeah. it just took a step back set the table and i think this is mostly that but there's also some really good stuff sure. um, as far as the action goes like the whole thing with nacho you know it's kind of it's just a follow-on from last episode mm-hmm. in a lot of ways but it's also i mean i I don't think Nacho... It's interesting because Nacho's the only one who really can die, right? That we don't know makes it into Breaking Bad. Kim and, Kim and Nacho yeah. are the two protagonists that we don't absolutely know what, what, what their status is at the beginning of Breaking Bad. So, like like you said, it brings a lot of stakes mm-hmm. to those scenes where Nacho is shot in the gut. Uh, sure. Might actually die in right. these scenes. We don't really know, and we don't know if Gus cares. So, right. I, I really felt the... I guess the stakes ratcheting up in those scenes. Right, right. I mean, I think Gus cares. Like, his preference is to have him as sure, a yeah. man on the inside, but he's not like, no one decides but me. Like, with mm. Nacho, the way he is with Hector. So, like, yeah, if, if Victor nicked his colon and he died of septic shock, Gus would be like, you know, oh, well. He'd pro- can, can I just say that would be... Maybe the most ridiculous way for a gangster to die, right? It's like a, a botched faking a month of, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like just a month later, dying of an infection. That right. you, it's not flashy. It's nothing. It's right. just oh, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That'd be ridiculous. Die, the, the, the return to the time before antibiotics, when when an infection could kill you. Two thousand three. Right. <laughs> um, I also think that they are laying a lot. You can start to see the tracks being assembled for how Jimmy's going to transfer for firm form into Saul like I really Mm -hmm. do like I as I watched this on subsequent watches I really got like a a good feeling about Dr. Caldera being replaced by Jimmy in the local underworld like not only do I think Jimmy is like has the inkling of that idea in his head I think that 
this doctor's refusal of further services to the cartel is going to be bad for his health. Oh, um, it could be. Yeah. So there's there's a there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff that I think in retrospect this might even be a more pivotal a pivot a pivotable a pivotal <laughs> episode than than it might seem at first glance. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, super entertaining. Hey, before we get to the episode proper, I want to talk about things going on here at BaldMove.com. Uh, of course, you're listening to our Better Call Saul podcast, uh, but you might not know that we, on Monday night, do an instant take podcast where we give our off-the-cuff impressions and thoughts of the episode. And for club members, we do a call, a call-in show, a chat-in show uh, called Instant Talk, where they can submit their questions and comments, and we consider them live on the air. Uh, check out club.baldmove.com for more information on that and how to participate. Uh, we're also in the throes of our Game of Thrones Season 3 coverage, one of the best seasons of the show, and it's a great show. We're also winding up uh, Sharp Objects. We just had the fantastic penultimate episode, and we got the season, uh, the series finale next week. Uh, that's on HBO, and it's really good. Uh, we just released a commission podcast for Ghosts in the Shell Standalone Complex this week. Next week, we're going to be releasing one for A Few Good Men, uh, the classic 90s Tom Cruise, Demi Moore vehicle. Uh, also at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday and Thursday, we're on twitch.tv slash baldmove, and we got a new format where we're watching live watching movies on the channel, uh, and that's free for anyone to participate. Uh, last week we did Tremors. Uh, this Tuesday we watched uh, Flight of the Navigator, and we're going to be watching the uh, 80s classic uh, Cloak and Dagger uh, this Thursday, and those are archived at twitch.tv slash baldmove for up to 14 days, and then their club-only features. Uh, finally, uh, something that has nothing to do with baldmove, but something that Jim and I are concerned about or we care about is registering people to vote. Uh, if you're an American, uh, the participation level in our democracy is shamefully low, and uh, we have a lot of Byzantine rules about how to get registered, what you need to get registered. If you are registered because some states are purging their voter rolls of people they think are inactive. And you can fix all that by going to sites like vote.org or headcount.org. It's super easy. In seconds, you can check to see if you are registered at your correct address and your correct state. Uh, which is important if you're a student or you've moved recently, and it makes it very easy to get registered and find out what you need to do because there's also a lot of early deadlines. You can't just roll into the ballot this November and and vote in a lot of places. They don't have same-day sign-up. So we encourage you to go to something to sites like vote.org or headcount.org, check your registration status, and get registered to vote and participate in democracy. All right, let's get into the recap uh, we start with Victor, Tyrus, and Nacho staging a hit uh, on the dead Ponytail's car, with uh, which ends with Nacho being shot twice, though not fatally, to really sell the story that they're painting here. Uh, Victor and Tyrus leave Nacho bleeding out in the desert so he can call the cousins in to save him. Uh, so they are intentionally, in my mind, starting the war here. Um, this is Gus making arrangements. You know, later on we see him talking with Juan. Mm-hmm. And it becomes clear that this is all part of the plan. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty good. And what's funny is like, at the second time I watched this, I'm completely imagining from Nacho's perspective because when I watch it the first night, like you know, Nacho looks apprehensive, but I'm thinking that might be the cold way that they're dealing with his partner, or just how like fucked up the situation was, like yeah. how he thought that he was like on a trajectory to get out of this business and now he's in way deeper than he can possibly imagine but then Mm. they shoot him twice and it's like he knew the first one was coming and i was thinking like 
what must be going through your mind? Like the closest I can think of is like being put down, put under for surgery. Like it's that moment like, well, I guess I'm going to trust these people. But these guys aren't doctors. There's no anesthetic involved. Like there's, there's probably some. There's some a anger non-zero. Here. There's probably non-zero chance of dying, even them shooting him in the shoulder. But like yeah. that gut shot, like the doctor says, they nick a they they nick his intestines, and you know you're going to need urgent ER treatment right away. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I I and I also thought I, I appreciated the the effort that went into making it look real, like. Mm-hmm quibbles about how many footsteps were out in the deserts uh aside that that was a lot of effort making it look like it was success a, a, a botched well not a botched a successful hit on the the salamanca henchman so yeah i mean this is not the perfect crime by any means right. but it's good enough to fool the investigators in this case the right. cousins right uh and that's all they needed it to do right so. They get Fox Mulder out here from the FBI, and right. it might all get get uh, to get get blown blown up. But it's mm-hmm. it's enough to fool the cousins, which I don't I don't think the cousins are dumb. No, I mean they don't talk, but they do have a decent you know analytical mind for especially criminality. Yeah, I'm sure they know what a hit looks like, and right, I'm sure guesses guys know what a hit well, looks like. Well, and just like, the so. fact that like. The the double shot of Mando and the way they like uh, Mando, sorry, uh, that <laughs> Mister Mando, Mando yeah. uh, uh, of Nacho and the way they find him, where he is, he does look like he's on death's door. Like, who the fuck would stage something like that? It's a pretty risky thing to stage. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that they already had like you know uh, unrelated, really, but kind of related in their minds, hit on the shipment Hector shipment last year, right. and when Mike and yeah. and now Hector's down, and they've already had like the uh, a gang try to muscle in on him. So like, how how it just it just that's the way like in spycraft if you give the the enemy what they're expecting mm-hmm. that's their bias right it's like oh we we've planned for this we knew we we know how to deal with this and and they're gonna fall for it yeah so gus is selling them a story that they want to believe is true and they do then we go on to jimmy trying to sell mike on breaking into nef copiers to steal this bavarian boy statue and replace it with a similar one he says they can sell it for over eight thousand dollars mike says nah not for me and it shouldn't be for you either uh which jimmy does not take his advice afterward he arranges a a meeting with the vet uh are we shipping fran and mike still they had that kind of steamy mike with anybody they, they got they got the steamy snow shoveling scene from last year and now yeah. she's just being extra attentive uh what would we I call think, that frike I, I think this is we're ship we're we're frike shippers <laughs> Frike, I yeah, Freeman Trout. <laughs> yes, that's official. Yeah, we're Freeman. We're we're big Freeman Trouters here. Uh-huh. Uh, I I mean, honestly, I would like to see Mike have some some happiness in his life other than taking care of his dead son's daughter. I don't think granddaughter. I, I don't think a sexual relationship with the the diner uh, waitress is going to be it though. No, I don't think that's going to be his happiness. I, honestly, I don't. I think it put a smile I, on. I Mike's think his face. only happiness is his granddaughter. Like th- that's literally it. Mm. That's what Mike has in his life. That's all Mike needs in his life. That and some old westerns. Uh, I think Mike's good. Some isotope baseball. Yeah, good, good, yeah, good a couple clean baseball fun. games. Right. Uh, friend, something nice to think about, but you know, not, uh, he doesn't. He doesn't want to get her involved. N- a nice, a nice lady like her involved in yeah. all his dirty business. Plus, I just think these are two people who enjoy each other's company for what it is. That's what I'm saying. They should enjoy each other's no. company. That's all I'm <laughs> <No>. saying. <laughs> I think there's the implication there, and that's uh-huh. too far for me. Uh-huh. Uh, 
I talked about this a little bit in the instant take, but uh, Jimmy calling this free money kind of bothers me because it shows that he doesn't put any thought into the risk of what he's doing here mm-hmm. um, and how, you know, it maybe it's not very a very risky job swapping these statues, but if something goes wrong, as it did here, right. he could be in a whole lot of trouble. Right. And, and he is... I kind of view him as being back where he was with Marco, like when he did the Chicago sunroof mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he got into legal trouble. He is one step away from essentially his life being over. Yeah. I mean, his life right now is is Kim. Yeah. And if he did something this fucking stupid after she told him not to. Right. And after he's promised and he's already spinning this web of lies, it would be it'd be all over for him. So, yeah. I mean, and then another way to look at that is like. If he knows that and he's going through with it already, then in his mind, I think the relationship is probably already over. That's probably fair. Or or he values it less than whatever kind yeah. of weird, you know, con man, uh, chic image that he is maintaining in his own in his own head. And, and he'd probably sad. tell you that it's super important to him, right? Right. But his actions speak far it's, louder than those words. Exactly. Because, you know, and that's one thing we know about Jimmy is, like, talk is extremely cheap with him. Yeah. It's 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 worth it's worth nothing. And but but what he actually does, that's the thing. So yeah, I, I think I think you're I think you're right, and I think that this is as close as Mike is ever going to get to some to like emotional intimacy with someone. Uh-huh. Like it's not for me, and it's definitely it, it's not for you. And also him saying I'm sorry about your brother immediately following that, I think he's trying to gently make the connection of you wilding out and doing yep. this stupid small time hood shit. With you not fully dealing with the death of your of your brother, and Mike should know. Mm-hmm. Mike's done some pretty extreme shit in reacting to a death in his in his family. So absolutely, uh, he he would he's one maybe that you should listen to. The, well, I mean, if Mike's giving you free advice, a wise man takes it. Absolutely, but but Jimmy's many things. Uh, wise man, <laughs> not so much. No, he's not. Uh, so the cousins come out to the the hit site and investigate the scene. They find Nacho in pretty bad shape. They ask him who's responsible for the hit, but he says, I don't know. I saw a silver car. Maybe it's a Thunderbird? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. That's what he said. Okay. Uh, I I was thinking, you know, whoever Nacho names here is going to have hell to pay. Nobody. He names nobody. Kind of smart, I guess. You know, didn't see faces. Uh, It allows them to kind of put the blame where they want to put the blame. Right, right. Um, I also was nervous the first time watching that they might just execute Nacho. Okay. Um, I mean, narratively that wouldn't make sense, but I mean, I mean, that's the thing that were that, that I think Villigan is really good at doing and, 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 uh, the, the Gould and the Villigan that they manufacture tension where there shouldn't be any, like, hmm. All the times you're so nervous about Walt or you're nervous about Jesse, and we're talking about early goings in season two and three. There's no way the 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 main protagonist is going to be killed, but like you feel like that danger is 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 real and present. And I felt like Nacho, uh, since he's not the main character, it would be almost a Game of Thrones type of move to bump him off, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that the, before the audiences would expect it. And like the cousins are the type of people. It's like you know. I don't. I mean, I don't know what the type of people the cousins are. They've got some weird code of honor. They're all about family. That's they're they're pretty ruthless. And like a, a person like that, are they going to take the risk to bring this guy back to a hospital or get, get a mob doctor to look after him? I mean, those are all 
you know, every time they got him back in her car bleeding, that's legal risk to them mm-hmm. that they might not want to take. Hell, they might not even be in this country legally. Like, it'd be extra, extra risky for them. And they do it, which I thought was was interesting. Yeah, and you have to remember, with Hector out of the picture at the moment, they're kind of running the show. Right. Right. No. Either them or Juan from Mexico. And I don't know... I don't know if he's, he's actually... certainly the guy holding the leash, but how much, yeah. you know, how much... I mean, they they have to have a lot of autonomy He's there. probably not micromanaging him, yeah. Right. So <laughs> that's kind of a scary thought, right? The cousin's yeah. in charge of the whole Salamanca operation in yeah. the States. But it's like, I mean, it tells you that... Because I've not thought much of the Salamanca organization. I thought they mm-hmm. were run by a bunch of hot-headed lunatics. But Absolutely. they do seem to observe the gangster code, where you have mm-hmm. to minimally take care of your people or what the fuck yeah you know uh so that 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 gave me a little bit of wrinkle into like their uh their organizational understanding that i didn't have before all right we go to kim who's meeting with mesa verde um she also has her new paralegal with her uh viola is her name goto uh she's pitching some takeover of another company and kevin comes in and he has something else in mind a truly absurd amount of expansion on the national level uh knowing that this means a fuckload of work for her kim feels a bit dazed by this and on her way out she tells her paralegal to drop her at the courthouse and also begin looking into mesa verde's federal charter yeah watch your back bank of america look out chase manhattan mesa verde is <laughs> coming on in. the march yeah uh what'd you make of kevin in these scenes because he's always been in my mind, he's always been a little, like, borderline buffoonish. Hmm. Um, and it may just be the look of the actor. Like, he looks kind of like a big doof sometimes. Right. Uh, he looks like he's the sportscaster on Ron Burgundy's show. That exactly. He, he should have. Yeah. A, he should be a hat, wearing a cowboy hat, holding a baseball bat, right. and saying kablaoey every 10 exactly. seconds. Yeah, maybe that's where I'm getting I mean, it from. I mean, I, I hate to judge a guy on his looks because as a kind of a big, dumb-looking guy myself... You're not this dumb looking. I, I might you. run a bank. I could run a bank. I've yeah. I've, I've ran an IT department. Uh, I'm co-owning a pie. I've, I'm responsible. Yeah, I'm not absolutely. as big an idiot as I look. So yeah. Uh, but but I in this scene, like he comes off as kind of a lunatic with this expansion plan. Yeah. I mean, he's just listing city after city after city, and this is a rollout that will take. I can't imagine how many years. Although I don't know because it feels like Kim is. Uh, it, 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 it Kim did such a good job on this that they're like, well, shit, we right. can, we don't have to walk, we can run, we don't have to run, we can fly. That's what I mean. He yeah. he seems overly ambitious, I guess. In and and you know they, scene. the 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 second time I watched this, I also paid attention to the previously on, and there's this ominous, you will get my firm, my full attention. That yeah, you will, I will, you will be my sole client. Like like Kim is essentially saying that she wanted this, mm-hmm. but a lot of things have changed and. And, you know, the success is a double-edged sword sometimes. Right. Yeah. Because, like, if, if, if Kim had the wind at her back and her sails fully hoisted, I'm thinking mm-hmm. she's thinking this is going to put Wexler and partners on the map. Like, right. I'm, I'm going to staff up. I'm going to get a dozen more Godos. I'm going to get, uh, you know, a, tw- uh, another half dozen partners, and we're just going to fucking forged this thing out of nothing with mm-hmm. Mesa Verde as our backbone, but but I, I thought it was noteworthy when she bends down to examine one of the models. There's like two people in there, and the way they framed the windows made it look like they were in a prison. 
Hmm. And I felt yeah. like that was kind of like her feeling, like like representing of her feeling the walls kind of closing in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a lot of work. Um, big she, year for dollhouses, though. Like we had, like <laughs> we shows. had, uh, what was that fucking movie? Um, shit, shit. Well, with sharp objects. Know. We had this, and then we had the the movie where the boy got possessed by a demon at the end, and I can't remember its name. Oh, Hereditary. Big oh, year, yeah. big year for big year for dollhouses and and model homes and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully Kim can handle this. I'm worried about her, especially after this final scene in the episode that we'll talk about. But I don't know. Like she needs to staff up. Obviously, she can. Maybe she can go get all of her family members. Maybe they're mm-hmm. lawyers. She can run Wexler, 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 and Wexler. <laughs> WWW. <laughs> right. Um, I yeah. I mean, it's just it's just a it's just a ton a ton of work. And there's a lot of imagery stuff going on. Like when she gets down to the lobby and she's going. Uh, she's talking to uh, Viola, and she says, you know, new plan. You actually want you to do all this, and I'll just proof it, mm-hmm. um, which that's the way to go, man. You, you you get a bunch of good people underneath you, and you ride them to victory. But she looks at this cowboy logo that coincidentally from this angle looks split in half, and I feel like I feel like that's emblematic of her feeling kind of torn in the situation yeah. between – you know, her newfound desire to just sit around and watch Netflix. Well, Netflix not <laughs> existing yet. Blockbuster mm-hmm. and kind of lick her wounds and the undeniable opportunity this is. And she, it looks like she's going to try to split the difference, right? Uh, it seems like it, yeah. There's nothing with Jimmy at the end where it's like, oh, my God, I'm going, I'm freaking out. This is too much work. She doesn't even really talk about this. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the emotional honesty and, and distance between them just keeps growing and growing uh, this season. So let's talk about the other important thing in this scene, the courthouse. Uh, Kim says, drop me off at the courthouse. I I have maybe a guess or two as to what she's doing here. I don't think it's clear. The one that, you know, the the, the forged letter Mm -hmm. that she's going down there, because there's a a detail where um, Jimmy mentions that it was signed Chuck. Mm -hmm. So, like... It's a hand-signed note, and if you buy that this is a forgery that Kim put together to spare Jimmy's feelings, then maybe she went down to the court to try to find some documents that he had signed so she could forge it. I think this is a ridiculous theory. I, a truly ridiculous theory. As as the proponent of Dead Man's Brew, yeah. that is that is a statement and a half. In an episode where Gail comes back, and I should be prone <laughs> to making ridiculous He's theories. He's building Dead Man's... That was the Dead Man's prototype. Right. <laughs> Uh, I got to say, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it from that Kim would even do that, A. Yeah. Uh, and I don't buy her reaction to it if she did do it. Agreed. I just don't think those things line up. I don't think it's – I wouldn't say it's as ridiculous as you, but like, okay, so no forgery chicanery. I what's your so. What's your idea for – because I got nothing. I, I, mean, I got I, nothing. I really have nothing either. If I'm really reaching and, and trying to guess here, mm-hmm. is she going to meet some of – some of her lawyer colleagues that she knows at the courthouse to try and talk to them about maybe working with her. I think if that was the case, we'd seen it. I, or she just call him. Like I, I, yeah. I don't see her like needing to go to the courthouse for that. Yeah, but but it's conspicuous and it's clearly something that we don't see in this episode that's going to come back later. I just don't think you mention it unless. Go I mean, it could court. be a throwaway, you, you, you but go, you I go doubt to, it. no, 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 no way yeah. is that the hammer of that scene, and it's not right. meaning something. Like the, the thing is, the courthouse also ho- holds is like all public records. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that she's like that? 
something about this has has reopened her doubts about like the 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 forgery stuff that Jimmy actually did, and she's going to go back to the original documents that have been filed and try to. I don't know. Hmm. Is it is it <laughs> is she trying to find something in the transfer of ownership paperwork between the the the. Uh, the, of Chuck's estate to try to get J- Jimmy some more money. I mean, right. honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know. And it's probably unwise to speculate if we're just just to make shit up. Yeah, I mean, that's all we're doing here. Right. We're we're taking wild stabs Fun, in the dark. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not wagering any of my eight internet points on on any of these crazy <laughs> I, crazy theories. I will wager my zero internet points on the fact that this will probably you're, come back. I hate next to tell episode. you, but your account's still overdrawn from uh, drawn from the dead man's brew. No, no, no. I got <laughs> I got negative two. I, I think. got points for effort there. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, No, I think this is coming back sooner rather than later. With how quickly they brought back the letter, Mm -hmm. I just don't think they're wasting any time on this stuff. Yeah. No, it does feel like... That's what I'm saying. Like, this fucking season's pedal to the metal. Last season, Chekhov's letter would have hung around. Right. And I don't know. Like, I... You kind of made me because I, I, dis, I was pretty dismissive of the forgery theory too. But now the way you're so forcefully dismissing, just, I'm like maybe we're missing something. Nah, nah. And okay. if we are, you know, I'll eat. I'll eat the dry pie, the crow next sure. week. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I'm I'm prepared. We'll drink I got the poison, Zafiro. No yeah. fear. No problem. All right, we go to Jimmy, uh, who is waiting for his vet to to set up this meeting with a thief, but he's not doing a great job. Uh, selling his contact on this this job. So Jimmy takes the phone, and he sells it for him. Uh, he arranges to meet the guy. Afterward, the cousins walk in to get the vet, and he patches up Nacho with a lot of effort and a little bit of blood from one of the cousins. When Nacho wakes up, the vet tells him how to care for his wounds and not to call him again because this cartel shit is just too hot for him. Uh, I really like the scenes of Nacho being worked on. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed the work that uh, Daniel and Lewis are, are doing as the cousins because, as they'll be the first to tell you, they essentially just stare there and, and mean mug the camera. That's their job, yeah. right? And wear really flashy, cool clothes while they're doing it. Uh-huh. But I felt like these scenes where they're not the unquestioned masters of death in the situation and there's a little apprehension and confusion and, like, you know, getting pressed into... like like seeing a doctor barking orders at them because like mm-hmm. that's the one thing a mob doctor can do like you can't just bump off any doctor that pisses you off because how many how many mob doctors are there in a place like Albuquerque so they're yeah. being fairly deferential and and seeing him doing like a pretty subtle work um and uh, you know the one guy just like you know pumping the blood right in the nachos vein uh the uh, I, I thought it was, I thought it was really good and you know, it's another classic Breaking Bad slash Better Call Saul montage. Yeah, and and shown from the point of view of the person who's kind of out of yeah. it a little bit. They yeah. do that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I I always enjoy it. Um, and back to the Jimmy scene because I do do mm-hmm. think that somehow this vet's going to get get because uh, he says at the end he goes I never I'm done with this cartel shit I never want to see you again it's too hot. That's the flip side of the mob doctor. Like once you, once you cross that line, they pretty much have you because mm-hmm. if you're going yeah. to refuse to work with them, you might as well be dead. So uh-huh. that's when you start getting like life and mortal danger. Um, and I feel like this, it's going to bite him in the ass. There's no way. And then that brings that 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 opens up all of Albuquerque for Jimmy to be the connector. Mm-hmm. Because he knows everybody from everybody. He's got he can sell people on the ideas. 
Um, the problem, I guess, is that you also see Jimmy's carelessness in here, too. Like, hey, you know, you can't have direct contact. The whole point is plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like it bites Saul. Maybe that is. Maybe because that's what eventually bites Saul in the ass is that he's just way too involved in you know, Walter White's personal business. He has to use the disappear because he's got clear connections to him. Uh, yeah, it's funny because he ends up a lot like the vet, you know, maybe yeah. in too deep. Yeah. I mean, Saul gets in bed with Walt, doesn't right. realize what kind of person he is, and then goes, oh, fuck. Right, right. Uh, but it's too late by then. Yeah. So. All right, we, we move on to the scene where the thief that Jimmy hired breaks into Neff Copiers, and he makes the Bavarian boy swap. Unfortunately, the owner is sleeping in his office, and the thief gets pinned down in the room, hiding under a desk. He calls Jimmy to help him out of his jam, and Jimmy comes over, and after a couple of attempts, manages to distract the owner with his car alarm long enough for the thief to escape the building. Uh, so this thief, we were trying to figure out who he was in the instant take. We got we got an answer by the end of the instant talk. Yeah. But... Uh, I, I don't know if not everybody heard that. I know for right. a fact. Um, so the thief's actually Ira, who... If you remember from Breaking Bad, was one of the guys who came in for Vamanos Pest. He was the owner of Vamanos, as I understand it. I think so. Yeah, he was definitely the guy, the go-to guy at Vamanos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, which I'm not going to go into the background of Vamanos because it's that's vague enough to where if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, it won't be a spoiler. But right. yeah, you, you see him again in Breaking Bad. Um, but like you know, he has a career in kind of petty larceny. Yeah. Um, and now, like, we see that uh, it predates his Breaking Bad days. And we, we knew that Saul knew him from from back in the day, uh, as he would probably say. And this is kind of the genesis of that. Yeah. I wonder if actually he's going to need legal representation by the end of this. But well, he says he's been pulling his ass out of the fire for years. So, right, yeah. right. I wonder. Yeah, I, I, but but Jimmy doesn't have a law, the, the ability to practice law. So I wonder, <laughs> yeah. I wonder what will happen. I don't know. Do you think we're going to see a scene? Because I'm almost wondering if we're going to see a scene where Jimmy practices law without the license. Like he, <laughs> like goes in and does like, uh, like, like, like takes the place of a public defender. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I'd have to ask Doug L. I wish I, I could. I, I wish I had a hotline where you know I could phone a friend and and be like, hey, is would would that would that be plausible? Like a really overworked metro uh, disbarred lawyer comes in and. I think the prosecutor, like like Jimmy's well known enough that the prosecutor would know, like you son of a bitch with yeah. your Boco Rolo whatever Brazilian mm-hmm. Rainwood thing, get, you, you lost your license, get out of here. But I I wonder if it's plausible for him to do something like that, or like show up at a police station and and get this guy released just just because he saw, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if he impersonated a lawyer. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like he 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 just goes and like fakes it until and right. and. Not not in a courtroom, but outside right. of right. outside of that. There's a whole scenario. season of him not practicing law. The other the other thing w- would be for them to do a Vamanos pest kind of thing, and they just yada yada through the next year. Once they get to some kind of stability, like it, it does seem doesn't seem like Gus is under an act of war with the Salamanca organization when we next rejoin. So like there yeah. might be some like intense mid season cliffhangery, and then that gets resolved, and then we fast forward another nine months and now jimmy's free to practice law because it mm-hmm. it would be weird for me to go a whole season of better call saul and there's no better call sawing going on sure no i feel yeah i guess it just depends on how they play it because yeah i could also i mean you know not everything jimmy has done has been legal 
certainly uh, or, or lawyer related so like maybe they could do something interesting with him outside of the law mm-hmm. i don't know we'll see did you also the, the the easter egg of him ordering pizza from the place and he gets yeah. a large just yes sliced please <laughs> right as if they asked him do you want that sliced right because like you know they don't you, sli- you slice their own pizza and they pass the savings on to the customer yep um <laughs> man who orders a large uh, also cheese pizza okay I I've always been an assumption that only t- like like children like below the age of ten eat cheese pizza. No, the only appropriate place to eat a cheese pizza is Chuck E. Cheese. So that's the only appropriate. They're place. they're really painting a portrait of this guy being a fairly pathetic individual. Oh yeah. Like I'm, oh, yeah. I, I I feel like I I, I might have blown up. Like, like there's probably a half dozen people like listening to the podcast in their car going. Fuck you, man. Cheese pizza's where it's at. It's like, okay, okay. Calm down there, Junior. A, A, they're wrong. Calm down there, Junior. uh, If you're a really good boy from here on out, I might take you to Chuck E. Cheese later, but... We won't even get into the pineapple, because... Hey, hey, Uh, hey. Well, I want to cause a bald move civil war right here now? They're doing a lot to say, hey, this guy's pretty pathetic. I mean, look at how he runs to his car, right? They say, no, no, please, Yeah, right. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. So good. Uh... You know, and it, it's amazing to me the little things that they do with Jimmy to make his to really sell his antics. You know, mm-hmm. what kind of a, a sleazy? I don't know. This, this whole scene feels just really good. And how borderline incompetent Ira is. Like, you know, yeah. they they, sh- they talk they talk about how ridiculously easy this job is for mm-hmm. someone that can pick a lock and bridge an alarm. Uh, but like that scene where the guy goes to get the pizza, or he goes to check on his car, and he's like. It would be so easy to get extract himself from that situation, and right. he just fucking doesn't. He has to involve Jimmy, mm-hmm. and you know now Jimmy is like leaving in the middle of the house, uh, leaving Kim in bed and getting up, and like it's like the 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 the, the lie factory has started up again at full capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, all right, we move on to Juan calling Gus to tell him about the hit on the Sumacas. Uh Juan tells Gus to run dummy loads, which is essentially trucks with no drugs in them for a while. Uh, Gus says they only have a week before they run out of drugs across the border. And Juan says, find a local supplier, even though Don Eladio would not approve of that. Um, Juan says, hey, let me let me deal with Don. Mm-hmm. The Don. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then we see, you know, as Gus hangs up, he smiles because all part of the plan. Right. Uh, yeah, I did like that... Uh... You know, uh, Mr. Esposito is very good mm-hmm. because that slight smile and also swagger like his his there, there's just a little bit where like, you know, because 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 Gus is very buttoned down and kind of robotic. But there's a little bit of swagger in his hip and shoulder as he breaks the slightest of smile at how fucking Don Juan here has ate up this cover story and is is playing right into his hands. And mm-hmm. and Gus gets to be the straight guy. Gus gets to be like, oh, please consider your action. Don Eladio is very... Uh, he, he doesn't want us to do this thing. And it's Don... Right. The, 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 the Bolsa's taking the whole thing on his shoulders. Uh-huh. It's He's just running, running circles around these guys, man. He is, yeah. Uh, it's, it's real good. Real good. I don't know how much I want to say about where this is Especially all going. Especially when he goes, uh, the balls on Gus for him to volunteer sounds like someone who knows our business intimately. Yeah, motherfucker, you. Uh-huh. You. Like, it's almost like he's begging the guy to be, but he's that's his hiding in plain sight, right? right? That's, that's like, the cover. Like, if he, was, if he was in on it, he wouldn't volunteer information that might put his neck in the noose, but... Exactly. 
Gus Gus is a high stakes gambler for all of his care and caution. He does like to, from time to time, let it all hang out. Mm-hmm. And this is shaping up to be one of those times. Yeah, I mean, he's taking a big risk for a big reward here. Yeah. Uh, and I guess I, I don't know how much I want to say about, like, where we think this is or or really know where this is all going. Yeah. Because um, in this next scene where he visits Gail, uh, a chemist, in a classroom at his school, uh, Gail gives him the results of some analyzed samples of something, which he claims are pretty poor quality. Uh, Gail tells Gus that he could do better and uh, he could have a kilo within the week. Right. And he'd love to work for him, but Gus refuses his request. I mean, 67% is pretty bad. Yeah. If, if someone yeah. hands you a hot dog and said, this is 67% meat, that would be like, yeah. like what the hell else is in it? And when you're talking about meth, what the... I mean, you know, uh, the hot dog might be piss and rat shit, but like there might be some really vile stuff in mm-hmm. meth. What is the other... 30, what's the other 33% here, it's man? Chili pee. Yeah, chili pea. Somehow I doubt it. it <laughs> I kind of do. I, 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 we, as we talk in the instant take podcast, yeah. it's a little premature to throw in a chili pea, but it would have been, it would have been one of those touches where I, and, uh, where I smile, but I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Although it'd also be funny if like, y- y- I, I guess I could have squared that by saying that that's something that Jesse, like it was someone else's in, in you know, innovation that he just claimed credit for, mm-hmm. you know. Right, it was Gail's innovation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like that's something Emilio He was trying to create up. a solution, you and, know. And, 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 you know, J- Jesse just steals it and says he's Captain Cook, but yeah, I don't uh, know. It's funny because a lot of people claim, they swear up and down that they hear Jesse's name in this scene. When Gus is walking up the stairs, they think somebody says Jesse Pinkman. Hmm. Uh, I listen to it over and over and over. And if you're Jesse, never if, went to community college. Right? No, absolutely yeah, not. Okay. But you could see a scenario in which he might know people and be selling to people. Oh, sure, that kind of thing. But yeah. but I listen Students to it by drugs many times, and I I could see where if you're looking for it, mm-hmm. it might sound like it. If you're not looking for it, I don't think it does. What I think so. is interesting here, because like I I looked up some of the shit that. Um, you know, Gale is up to, and it looks like he's making uh, apparatus that will allow him to manufacture benzo type, like that class of drugs, like sedatives, uh, downers, essentially. Um, and those have legitimate hmm. uses too. But the fact that he's doing drug analysis on, um, on on Gus's shit says that he's already kind of like hip to the fact that. Mr. Fring has got this underworld thing going on. That surprised me. That really surprised I mean, I guess me. It's and, hard. I, and I wonder, like, because I, I, one of the things that, like, uh, I think that Gus did is the, his whole foundation that, like, helped these underprivileged children. Like, he kind of targeted maybe orphans or people that are really down on his luck and from an early age took an interest in their education so that they would see him as like a father figure and mm-hmm. and be like and he's be assen- indebted to him he's yeah. essentially grooming them and like mm-hmm. you know you hear like gail say that he's a libertarian later like i wonder how much of that is like you know gus you know like talking up like you know if you really think about it right gail why do we, why in a free in a supposedly free country do we tell people what they can and cannot put in their own bodies? And Gail's <laughs> like, you know, manufacturing acid and like tripping balls and be like, you're right, Mister Fring, this is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like I want to know more about the story. I think we'll get more. You think so? Yeah. I, yeah. Now that they brought Gail in, I kind of I kind of agree. I don't know how much more backstory we're going to get necessarily, but 
I mean, obviously, they're going to do a lot more with that character. Yeah. I mean, they seem to love, like, flashbacks and stuff like that. So it would be yeah. really cool to see a very young Gus, you know, maybe approach, like, a 12-year-old science fair prodigy in Albuquerque yeah. and, and offer him a scholarship. And... <laughs> he comes up to his fucking baking soda volcano. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, hmm, yeah. promising. Yeah, exactly. Explain it to me. No, no, it's fascinating. <laughs> uh... <laughs> All right. Kim goes over Viola's work in her home office. Afterwards, she gives Jimmy the $5,000 check from Chuck's estate, as well as the letter that Chuck left him. Jimmy's completely unfazed by any of it as he reads it, but Kim takes it incredibly hard and begins weeping. All right, I've thought a lot about this scene. Okay. And I think I understand what is going on with Kim. All right. We had a couple really good takes and feedback, too, so shoot. First of all, let me talk about this letter, because it's an undated letter, which Mm -hmm. I think is important but i think we can also date it because because of the content it's before jimmy revealed at least that he had gone to law school and had taken a bar right and i think we know that because he was still at hhm which it, chuck pushed him out right after he revealed exactly. that he had and he's talking he about doing doing good in the mail room and being a vital part right. of the, the machine so I, it's 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 this is the era in jimmy's life where he was stealth taking uh correspondence course to america samoa law school Right, and it's it's a time in his life when Chuck thought Jimmy had found the the place where he belonged, the appropriate station yes. for a man like Jimmy. Right, uh, and I think that kind of leans. I, I think that kind of lends itself to the way that Kim reacts here because I think she sees this letter as a relationship that could have been between the brothers. Uh, I think Chuck. I think the words in that letter are true. Chuck does respect him in some way. He does Mm. love him as a brother. Uh, I kind of think it's possible to both love someone and work actively against them Mm -hmm. in some regards Mm -hmm. um, and convince yourself that you're doing it for good reasons, Mm -hmm. which Chuck does. Uh, But I definitely think, like, she sees this as, look how far we are from that letter Mm -hmm. right now where Jimmy's reading this letter uh, completely devoid of any emotion. Right. D- could not care less what his brother has to think about him. Right. Or say about him. Uh, and the words that are in that letter remind her of a time when that probably would have been different. hmm and, and, and I don't think that's the only thing that's at work in this scene on Kim. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that she's been given just had a buttload of work dropped on her right uh she's already in a frazzled mental state i think all of that comes in and she kind of just snaps here Mm -hmm. uh that's my read on it i buy that um the thing that bothers me though is i feel like if if that emotional reaction requires kim to have a more shallow understanding of the boy's relationship then i think she does and what I, because I, I see hmm. this thing as Chuck at the height of his narcissism and condescension, because he's essentially saying you have achieved your your status as male boy, you found your place in the world, and it's it's he does acknowledge that like he was always the family you know superstar, which you know I I just feel like everything was backhanded and insincere, and the things that were sincere were the things where it's like I put you in a box and I've got you under my thumb. And you can't do any harm. And I think there's two possible reaction uh, explanations in in that analysis that would have Kim. This the fact that like she sees. Uh, first of all, it's like even when you 
have a terrible relationship or you see someone have a terrible relationship with their family, it's always sad because you always think of what mm-hmm. a person's birthright is. Like they, they ever, you know, you're born into a family and you're supposed to have unconditional love. And anytime you don't, even if, you know, there's valid reasons, invalid reasons, whatever, it's just sad that that it, it's just a pitiable state. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that so so she sees not only Chuck being an asshole and it and Jimmy just utterly being unmoved by it that is sad on itself. But I also think that she might see as he's saying the words like that this you know like the the, the, the she that she sees that like this wasn't the f- screw you brother but it's kind of the same thing and Jimmy's taking it as such. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe Kim, like, really, like, one fucking letter from a time in Jimmy's life where she, he knows that, that she knows that he was working really hard to make her his brother proud, and that's actually going to get start, like, the war between them. I, I don't, man, I, I don't, I, I would like to think that Kim is a little bit more emotionally intuitive than that, or a little bit more in tuned, but. But I, I guess I don't know what you mean, like, it, like, there's some higher level that she needs to get to here. She can... I think she can look at this letter and say, this is what a loving brotherly relationship is supposed to look like. But that's and, just... and this is not what they have. Right. And, and maybe it's never what they had, but this is what she would wish for them. But And, it, and it's intensely sad. So you think that Chuck's letter, I mean, I'm not, I, I sound like more adversarial than I'm intending, but like, you're not reading between the lines on this letter no, at no, all? No, 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 okay. You can read between the lines and you can also say that those words that are uh-huh. in that letter, that expertly crafted letter. Uh-huh are what a brotherly relationship should look like. Yeah, just And like, because they don't have that, that's the sad thing. Well, like I said, that's kind of my first possibility, that she's just bemoaning the fact that they couldn't, they never had a chance of having a relationship where, like, sure. Jimmy could be unfulfilled and a schlub, and Chuck would be a loving brother, or mm-hmm. Jimmy could try to shine in, as an adult, which is something that uh, Chuck couldn't tolerate. Or, I don't know, maybe if, if Jimmy became uh, a used car salesman yeah. and then owned his own dealership like that could be something chuck could be like oh that jimmy just can got... tolerate him in his field yeah right but you know like I, I just that to me it's it's only like a like a norman rockwell painting if you don't know the background of the two brothers and and, and kim does so but i i do grant that she's very emotionally and uh, you know in an unstable place and uh, I also think that Chuck was something of a mentor, someone she looked up with, and like you know, getting disillusioned with him is, is something that was hard on her too. So there's certainly elements of that as well. But I don't know. I felt like it was an odd, it was an odd, it was an odd character, is an odd character beat for kind of everybody involved. Hmm. Um, and I, the one that seemed like I felt like Jimmy was right on because whether what whatever that letter said, he had to have put on like like he'd be a fool not to wear his strongest emotional armor and yeah. has his most detached and i love odenkirk's performance there because he they did that reading and it wasn't flawless it sounded like like we you know when i read feedback sometimes like i start and like oh this person zigged on a sentence instead of zagged and i have to back mm-hmm. like he did that a couple times and it felt like very fucking natural and organic but also someone yeah. who is reading it from a mile away like of emotional attachment yeah i mean i i almost think <laughs> saying new paragraph was a little too much emphasis on that detachment right uh i think he's reading it like as clinically as possible right and they maybe went a little overboard in that scene with that reading but i i do agree like 
reading the word allow as all something mm-hmm. and then going, mm-hmm. oh, I fucked that up. Mm-hmm. Go back. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought both performances were really good. So and it, what, I, what I'd love to know, because I didn't have a chance to, uh, to listen to the official podcast yet, mm-hmm. uh, was that a, a, a flub that they just like, hey, that sounds right? Or did Odenkirk actually choose that in a performance? And like, because like, it's kind of hard to fake a mistake, like, and make it look natural. I mean, that's acting, you know. Yeah. But um, uh-huh. so yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I, oh, I, they don't talk about that. Okay, they did. Right. They talk about that final scene, but only for a couple minutes. And, huh. Yeah, because they spent too much time talking about the hundred percent. Yes, the the person that they paid to smash automotive glass and sprinkle it on the highway. Uh, yeah, they don't get into that either. <laughs> they they have uh, oh yeah the, the chief the chief taillight grip. Uh, his name's Gregory uh, Sh- <laughs> Salamander. Uh, you know, one of the best glass smashers in the industry. And, right. and if, if 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 you if you if you ask for a demand to sprinkle automotive parts on a deserted highway in Albuquerque, you'll get the one that they'll all say you you, you gotta get Mister Salamander. <laughs> the one thing they did say. <laughs> A little known fact is uh, that glass actually was just methamphetamine. Yeah, right. Yeah, they didn't even use glass. Right, right, right. Just straight meth. Before, they went to the corner. Before they you had the crystal up. blue, you had the the the, the yeah. brake light red, uh-huh. and the turn single amber, and the truckers <laughs> were crazy about that shit. Sure were. Only sixty seven percent pure, but right, still got you there. Yeah, the marketing on point. Yeah. Uh, that's about all I've got. Um, I, I was surprised the letter dropped this episode, but pleasantly so. Yeah, because again, I think it was a good surprise. Metal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's about all I got this episode. Uh, same here. Uh, we should probably get the feedback. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, before we get the feedback, I, I have one question to ask you: mm. Are are you shitting Club Bald Move memberships? <laughs> and and uh-huh. unless you have a Club Bald Move membership currently traversing your colon, <laughs> then this is the quickest possible way to get one. Uh, how fast? How fast can you whip out a credit card and enter a sixteen-digit number? However, eight, eight minutes. It takes me eight minutes. It takes eight minutes. Well, it, it, it <laughs> takes you ten to sign up for club.baldmove.com membership. If you take time to pick your nose, which I encourage you to do, like you don't want your sinuses to get blocked up and infected. No, no one's watching. You're 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 in the privacy of your home or your office. Whip that credit card out. Go to club.baldmove.com. I'm going to tell you what you're going to get. You're going to get a bunch of bonus features. You're going to be able to test drive those bonus features for free and see them all laid out in a nice, attractive, kind of vaguely vaporwave style. And then you can go to Consummate Your Club membership, uh, purchase it, and you get a three a free 30-day trial. You can try all of the club features, kick the tires for 30 days, uh, and, and I promise you, you will not get stuck locked in with a very depressed married man and his cheese pizza. <laughs> I, I there's a zero percent chance of that happening. Uh-huh. It's it's all upside. Get your club membership, club.baldmove.com right now. Better cast all at baldmove.com is how you get uh consideration for this here feedback. Uh as we have been doing, are gonna do a couple of like old business and then we'll get to new business and we'll have our legal corner. Uh old shit up first. Travis L. I think the scene where Jimmy blew up in the interview with the copy machine people was a crucial step in the transformation to Saul. It's not so mysterious, really, when you realize that, A, Jimmy's whole life up till now has been an exercise in seeing what he can get away with. B, by hamming his way into the first job he interviews for, he's reminding himself that, oh, right, I can just get away with anything I want. And most importantly, C, he finds the idea of settling for this kind of low-key, by-the-book respectability to be a complete compromise, especially when he knows there's a whole world of suckers out there that he can just scam. 
The fact that he continues the job search after that just shows that that outburst was just that, an outburst. After all, he still has to make a paycheck in the meantime. But it's a crucial turning point for Jimmy to realize that he never has to play by the rules now that Chuck is dead. What Jimmy really craves is the romance of the con and not a steady sales job with good Benny uh, and a couple of pencil-pushing pigeons for bosses. I mean, this is like Henry from Goodfellas, right? Where he's getting his paper at the end, he's in his boxers, and he's in the, the... the robe and he's like safe and and he's got but now he's just a i'm just a i'm just a i'm just a sucker like everybody else yeah. like i'm or I'm, vic Mackey at the end of the shield yeah like i'm just kind of I'm, I'm just a taxpayer now uh, who gives a shit yeah. and I, I think i think travis is one that's got hit closest to the mark at the dynamic that was going on there i really liked mm-hmm. it moving on to jared v or maybe jared five it's not not clear Actually, it is clear. It's Jared's V starting with something, and I abbreviate it, and I'm making a joke, and it's not funny, and I'm just going to read his feedback now. I really enjoyed seeing Gus get his hands dirty again. It shows what a great boss he is. The best bosses lead by example. They show the crew. (laughs) They aren't asking them to do anything they wouldn't do. When he gets Mm -hmm. a phone call about Mike from Lydia, he's sweeping the parking lot of his restaurant. Sure. In fact, I'd say that a lot of his time at the restaurant, he's on the floor cleaning tables, checking on customers. From my past experience in food service, that task is usually delegated by a team member or to a team member. Really lame managers will just pick the newest person and name it as a newbie task. No, no wonder. <laughs> wow. That this explains the pitiable state of bathrooms in in uh, C stores and and restaurants. The fact <laughs> that he chooses to do it himself not only shows his staff the pride he has in his company, uh, but they get to see him living up to his own standards that he has set. It makes sense that he would apply the same principle to his drug empire. The drug game is already full of politics and shady people. Getting them all to have the proper balance of fear and respect is crucial. Uh, His whole demeanor and tone in that scene with Gus reinforcing exactly who he is and what he's capable of. I myself was feeling for Nacho. He shocked and awed him perfectly into subservience. So, like, it seems silly to, like, draw the connection between sweeping your own parking lot and, you know, murdering a dude, but... No, he's right, though. Yeah. Yeah. And we were talking about the same way. It's like, yeah, of course, of course Gus is sweeping up cigarette butts in the parking lot because, mm-hmm. you know, it's an important task. Uh, he, he wants his restu- restaurant to look clean. Yeah. So people go in and, and uh, feel comfortable eating his chicken. Pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. Uh, guy from Japan. Just just some guy from Japan. <laughs> Have you guys explored the possibility that Jimmy ends up getting Sandpiper money and using it to disappear Kim once he inve- inevitably gets her tangled up in Gus's web? Maybe Nacho disappears too. I feel like we should get some more info on how Saul knows Ed. Okay, I could see him maybe disappearing Nacho. Uh-huh. Although, eh, maybe, maybe he thinks, okay, I disappeared Nacho, but maybe he's back and taking me into the desert to... To blow my brains out because right, right. in Breaking Bad, right? He says, we know, "Oh, not true." Right. We know that 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 Saul's under the impression that Nacho is still uh, a thing, but, or certainly but, could be. Yeah. But we don't know. But we also know that Saul doesn't know shit about what right. Gus is doing and Mike's true relationship. Like Gus or uh, Saul is surprisingly in the dark about all that stuff. So it could be that Nacho's moldering out in the desert, and Jimmy just doesn't know. Yeah. Or he could have used the disappearer yeah. and got him out of there. I don't know about Kim, though. Yeah. I don't really think I, – I don't – I guess I don't see Kim getting all that wrapped up in Gus's stuff. Right. And are like, we, Jimmy's pretty far removed from it, so, honestly. So are, and are we sure that Jimmy still is in line to receive the Sandpiper settlement, his 20%? Because the old ladies fired him. 
And uh, I think he is. I think as the person who brought the case to It's like just a straight-up finder's fee. Yeah. It's not have anything to do with his work as a lawyer. Right. Uh, and he got like a early $20,000 co-counsel fee. Uh-huh. It, it, but, I, I mean, I'm not saying he's not getting it, but on the other hand, we also know that like at no point in any of the history we've seen in the future is Saul like comfortable. And if he's getting... 20% out of a what was it it was a multi-million dollar settlement I, th- yeah. I, 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 I have this number of like 1.2 million that it came was, it was gonna mind. be the millions I know yeah, that yeah and if like Saul had 1.2 million at any one time although that'd be an epic story of how he won and then lost that money did he lose that money though I mean we don't we don't really know yeah, I guess. Saul's financial status. that's the status. thing about, like, that's, like, the, that's the thing, because you and I have talked about this a lot. If ever we get our hands on, right. like, seven figures worth of money, we're gone. <laughs> You'll never see us again. <laughs> like, what keeps people, like, why, why do they treat that like the high score of Pac-Man, that they keep trying to roll it over? Like, at, at some yeah, point. Yeah, like, Gus has enough money to retire. He's sure. not retiring. Why? But because he wants about to, the money. But, because he wants to, he wants to kill the... Like, like I think what, I think what Gus is is driven by the revenge. Like, I wonder if, if like after he it, had yeah. gotten the revenge. Of course, he also seems like he is also an important person that like craved power. I mean, it's all. I, it just feels like it's all power and prestige. And, well, that's the point. I, I'm trying to I say, like, J- Jimmy doesn't seem like he lives the lifestyle he lives for the money. Right. Right. You know, he cons people. And he gets money out of it, but I don't think that's why he cons people. Yeah, I mean, because it's like I, I, I but, but I, I just, I can't ever understand that mindset because I yeah. feel like I do two things. I do things for two purposes: one, to make money, mm-hmm. and two, because I enjoy doing things. If I yeah. no longer had to make money, then I could do whatever I wanted to all the time. And but there's what no way thing what you Gus wanted wants to do? to do is cook chicken and, and sell meth. Like, right? Really? Is there somebody that just like I don't know, like a twenty? But that's what I'm saying. I don't understand that mindset. Right. Right. Like that need to like you know dominate like I have the need to disappear and enjoy life. I don't have the need to dominate some. Yeah, I mean, I what know. if the thing you wanted to do was con people? You enjoyed that high of conning people, right? I mean, that's that's who Jimmy would more become. than like laying on the beach in Tahiti and going scuba diving or yeah. I mean, we've know, seen Jimmy do that, being right? a Bavarian boy in the wilderness. I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, that's what I'm saying. Like I just. I recognize it as a drive for people. Yeah. It's always something that I, every time I see these like rise to the top, and every time people, you know, you see a person get like, you know, a Denzel Washington's character in American Gangster, mm-hmm. like after a year or two, and he's got himself and his family and his family's family taken care of, like, why don't you just take a back seat? But they can't. They fucking can't. Yeah. Um, it's the disease ask, of more. Ask Michael Corleone about that. Right, right. Elliot in. I think Jimmy's action as a copy shop make most sense if you think of him as an addict. Times are now bad. He's got a dead brother. He's decided he will never acknowledge, and now he has to keep on moving. He shucks and jives his way past a mysterious was a lawyer type resume, but that's not enough. He goes back in for the whole hog, but after thrill of victory, he's disgusted to realize his prize is selling copies copiers for a couple of marks. <laughs> Presumably, he spends the rest of the day conning people into hiring him, but each time his fix is temporary. Nothing but the real scam, one where he actually takes something from you, is going to help, which is why he calls on Mike. That, too, is another compel. Like, like, like you know, like, it's an addiction, right? If you think of the acquiring mm-hmm. of wealth, wealth like that, every time you close a multimillion-dollar deal, that's that rush of, like, oh, my God, yeah. I am the fucking king of the world, and then... A week later, that feeling goes away, and you need it again. Like maybe For that's sure. the, the 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 thing. 
Because uh, I can understand addiction. I can understand addiction. <laughs> I can't understand uh, just, I don't know, being a mogul for the, mo- the sake of it. Uh, uh, do you have any comments on that or should we move on? No. Tanya from South Carolina wanted to comment on the question we had about the Jim and Kimmy sex scene that kind of came out of nowhere last episode. Uh, at first, she, too, was confused by the whiplash emotional charge, but I'll let her explain. She says, I was watching, re-watching the episode when I got to Ray Seahorn's no less blistering the second time around scene with Howard, and I understood completely why they did that. And the reason I understood is because, as much as I hate to admit it, I've totally been that girl. The girl righteously enraged over the injustice done to someone who's actually pretty shady and doesn't deserve her loyalty. The girl going out of her way to defend someone who ultimately makes her life harder than better. The girl choosing to believe the best in someone who just never really stood a chance. But if only they caught a break, they'd show you how good they could be. And so, watching Kim do the same thing, I felt bad for her and embarrassed. Having been that girl once upon a time, I can say to you with about 80% certainty that the spontaneous hookup we witnessed after dinner was more than likely a pity fuck. The pity fuck is often a catalyst for something significant, and things rarely stay the same for long after someone feels so sorry for the other person that they betray the emotional and physical boundaries they had in place just to comfort them. Maybe this will be the catalyst for Kim getting the heck out of Dodge before she ends up turning into Wendy, or maybe her character's downward arc to Wendy Wendydom will serve as a cautionary tale to young professional women who have a soft spot for downtrodden and a preference for bad boys. Huh. Uh, I mean, that seems pretty compelling. The pity fuck theory. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, I feel like that 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 pity uh, is a is a poison to to relationships, right? I mean, how can it not be? Sure, sure. Like the second you stop seeing someone as an attractive and virile person, you start seeing them as a schmuck. schmuck that's uh, that's that's a downward arc for a relationship. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I, I I like the theory, Tanya. We'll see how it pans out. Uh, Dr. Barry Goodman, uh, we talked about him last week. And he like he explained that uh, Dr. Goodman, or Barry Goodman, was created to be to the field of medicine what Saul Goodman was to the law. And just a brief history, uh, Barry created a magic, he registered a, a magical electromotive website after the commercial we saw teased in, what, season three of Breaking Bad? Mm-hmm. And then started, like, uh, using stuff that he had pieced together from visiting sets and like you know following the fan stuff to like do these kind of kooky tie-in things and I felt at some point we we thought it was like an official thing because that's something that the uh, Vince Gilligan wasn't above doing back in the time but it was just it was just a fan project and he's gone on to uh, be a little bit uh, a local actor he's he's appeared in uh, Breaking Bad and uh, he's also got to do some more work for Better Call Saul. I couldn't read this until this week. Uh, He says, I created Dr. Goodman eight years ago, and now things have gone full circle. I got to be a medical consultant for two days on set and was the photo double for Dr. Caldera, the veterinarian. Okay, the the super close-up shots you see are him, I guess. I got to sew up Michael Mando, have dinner with him along with the cousins. I also got to meet Jonathan Banks, Ray Seahorn, uh, writers and producers, director, the DP, and spent two days close-up on set. Uh, he says he's going to have a full report because he's traveling this week. I'll have a full report next week. But what a cool experience. And what a fucking wild thing to <laughs> go from creating this wonky fan site uh, to being the doctor on, break, on, on Better Call Saul. Good for you. Good for you, Dr. Goodman. I, I think his his Corvette is also in Breaking Bad somewhere. Yeah, it was one of the A1 car wash E's in uh-huh. line. Yeah. 
Yeah, so so pre- pretty cool. And the fact that they took his name and made it into a character. Right. S- super cool, too. All right, on to some new shit. Devin from Virginia. After, I guess that was the, the Dr. Goodman's was also some new shit, too. This new shit's too hot for me. New shit. It's come to light, though, Jim. We got to consider it. All right. Uh, Reginald. Here are two reasons why I like the letter and think it's sincere. One, if there's an accusation that siblings have lobbed at each other, like Molotov cocktails throughout all times and in all nations, is Mom liked you best. But even Chuck goes further. Chuck tells Jimmy that even as he grew up, he continued to bring their mother joy that no one, including himself, could bring her. That's a tremendous admission, especially for someone as competitive and proud as Chuck. Two, Kim's knee-jerk reaction makes me think that she feels the letter's coming from a good place. She cries when Jimmy reads the letter, not only the sentiments in the letter that got her, uh, that got to her, but also Jimmy's dismissive attitude. No one's more loyal to Jimmy than Kim. Also, she had her own issues with Chuck and his patronizing ways, but on some level respected him and pitied him for being a quote-unquote sick man. For all warts, Kim knows that he, uh, by means of his letter, Chuck was expressing sorrow over how things were between him and his brother, and she is dismayed that Jimmy can do can't do the same i here's the thing so i I agree with some of that but i think the the point i was trying to make earlier and i don't know if i made this clear is that she doesn't have to believe that he's sincere to see the sadness in the disparity between what a brother's relationship should be and what their relationship is sure i agree with that that's very sad yes inherently just on the face of it and even if chuck is sticking it to his brother with these these should be sincere but aren't sincere words right I think that remains. I agree. Okay. That's, 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 that's the only point I was trying to make, and I think that's going. That's one of the things going through Kim's head. Uh, because I, I just, yeah, the whole, I mean, yeah, I, I buy her respecting Chuck and seeing his that being, too, being yeah. the product of a sick man, but. And, and what hand did she have in his death? You know, she doesn't know about the insurance fraud. Sure. Uh, did she drive him to this? Who knows? Right. Uh, Trent T. I grew up in northwest Missouri, so North Plate, Nebraska, caught my ear when it was mentioned as an expansion slot for Mesa Verde. I actually have some family who live around the area. It's a town of about 25,000, so it seems like a weird spot to be mentioned as an expansion spot. North Plate is located between four and five hours west of Omaha, where the gene timeline is taking place. It's mentioned many times that Kim Wexler grew up in the Midwest. Maybe it's one big Easter egg, but I have a hard time believing this is coincidence. Do we think a Mesa Verde commercial that runs uh, in the Omaha timeline is in our future? Are they setting a table for a Jim and Kimmy reunion in the Gene timeline? If so, I love the attention to detail here. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of little details that maybe they could use later right. to, and, and connect them. I don't, I don't know that that's their intention yet, it but would they'd be... like to write these things in and then use them later. It would be a sweet ending for Saul or for Jimmy if at the very end, the last sequence of Gene, somehow him and Kim, after all the years and all the he distance. He gets one last all, pity fuck. Can, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gene, mo- you're so fucking the, sad. The most, pit- the most pitiful of fucks. Like uh-huh. you thought the b- sad birthday <laughs> hand job was bad. This is just going to be over to close. It's not even going to be nah. in bed with the underwear down on eBay. It's just going to be an over to close dry humping. Uh, I, I mean, no, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, to to reunite them at the end. Yeah, and some kind of coincidental thing too. Uh-huh. Like you know, I that 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 would be kind of cool. Although you got to wonder, what the fuck? Like, why would Kim? I, I it just depends on how things end. Yeah. you know, whether like they part, like like Jimmy just like I could see him like having this things like, look, this is how I got to be. 
Like I, I want to be the man you need that you deserve, but I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm I'm fuck I'm fucking Saul Goodman, right? Mm-hmm. And and they just part essentially on like, well, it's too bad, it's not gonna work out, but it's not gonna work out and then they meet later, but yeah, I don't I just don't see I mean maybe 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 Jimmy's learned the like at the, the 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 end of the con and like you know how low you can be brought maybe he's the he's, he's a different man a humbled man a more honest man he's still living Could in be. witness protection illegal yeah. witness protection mm-hmm. off the books witness protection yeah no no, no. I, I just can't see a happy ending for them <laughs> okay uh giovanna after this episode i'm starting to wish the villa gang had gone with los Polo, pollos hermanos Breaking Bad prequel instead of Better Call Saul. I find myself much more interested in the Mike, Gus, Nacho, Salamanca storylines than anything Saul and Jimmy is doing at this point. What do you think? Would that have made for a better show? This is going to be the perennial question. Did Vince and Peter Gould screw up by making this Better Call Saul and not Los Pollos Hermanos? I mean, I, I feel like it's both. Aren't we getting a lot of Gus stuff? Yeah. Aren't we getting a lot of gangster cartel action like right right how much more of that do you want yeah like i mean it it's kind of like it's so weird because uh there was a saturday morning cartoon series it was the the inhumanoids and it was jim and the holograms and they occupied the exact same time slot on a saturday morning and my sister and i'd get up and we didn't know who was going to win the the cartoon roulette was it going to be fucking Jim and the holograms or was it going to be the inhumanoids and this feels like 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 if if you just took those and you called it the inhumanoids but then you just slipped 15 20 minutes of Jim and the holograms space throughout <laughs> like it is weird and jarring hmm. but honestly it would have made me and my sister a lot happier to have it that way okay yeah uh so like i guess i'm i'm with you i don't i don't know why fans feel like the name of the show is a fence that cannot be crossed rather than yeah. an ocean that can contain multitudes of weird, better call, breaking bad universe type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I'm, yeah, I like, I when mean, we're getting more Gus in this than we did in breaking bad. Yeah. 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 So, and he was, he it's, was kind of the side story in that as well. So right. I don't, I don't know. I feel like we're getting an adequate amount of Gus. Right. So like, I think that, um, when this show is firing on all cylinders, all of the storylines are equally interesting, but that doesn't mean they have equal stakes, you know? Sure. Like yeah. that's saying that like, was Mad Men as interesting as the Godfather? Uh, it's not as action packed, but I still think it's as interesting you know, because I don't, I don't need guns and blood and guts to be entertained. Like, right. You know, quiet, character-driven stuff can 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 get can get me there too. So I, I feel like I'm getting both in this show. Uh, Chris, just wanted to say I'm feeling pretty smug after that Gale cameo that I predicted last year. Do you think we'll actually see more of him, or is it a small Easter egg? First of all, how many internet points are we getting for Chris? That's zero. I mean, you got to pre- you got to nah. predict it before the series starts to get any. <laughs> that gives you twelve, which in today's no, gets you eight. In today. Well, no, eight. I got twelve, but in today's internet points uh, value, right. yeah. I only washed out to be eight. I think it's worth yeah. at least a point or two. Man, if you just want to hand points out willy nilly, <laughs> fine. Go It'd be ahead. worth negative two now, like after after a season's passed. But uh, yeah, the exchange rate goes up. It really does every every it's, season. It's, it's brutal. Uh, so, do you think we'll get to see more of him? I do. I do. I think. I think they are going to not be able to resist the temptation to connect those dots. Oh yeah, and I yeah. kind of want to see. Him I think they should. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Richard from Austin, Texas. Do you guys think Gus is misreading Nacho's motives? Maybe Gus is thinking he and Ponytail are planning to take over Hector's business, and that's why Nacho tried to kill Hector. If Ponytail hadn't pulled his six packages bullshit, Gus might not have acted, but when Ponytail tried to push the same issue, Gus thought Nacho and Ponytail were making a move, and so Ponytail had to die. Uh, I don't. I think that Ponytail was going to die no matter what. Yeah. This and, and now that we've seen the plan... Uh, revealed in episode three like yeah i think this was a long-term plan that he hatched up as soon as as he saw the opportunity with with hector Mm -hmm. um did you guys catch jimmy's reaction when the copier guy was talking about people using their copier to counterfeit money jimmy mentioned that he had used that particular copier in chicago which would have been when he was a hustler and when then the guy says when people were using counterfeit uh, money jimmy's like no, what? I can't believe that. My theory is Jimmy is using a copier to counterfeit, and it makes sense for him. I actually mm. got one better. I don't think we actually talked about this when we were watching the episode for the first time. I don't think it made it into any of our coverage. I would not be surprised if this Hummel figure is uh, caper is like a prelude to the real deal. Yeah, where Jimmy somehow winds up having that archaic copier that that does counterfeit money, and he does a counter small scale counterfeiting operation in. Uh, in in New Mexico. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, I I think uh, last episode I said that this Bavarian boy thing was mm-hmm. not the caper in itself, but apparently it is. Yeah, like that. Like I know, you know, that's that's the first step down a road that Jimmy's on. But that was kind of the whole deal: is just steal this thing and sell it. Well, much in, a, much in a way that the Mosaic Law Covenant pre, pre uh, led the way to Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. I think the Bavarian boy is going to yeah. lead the way into the copy, the counterfeit copier. Okay. And uh, but I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to wager any of my eight internet points. We'll see. Maybe he'll just steal a copier and sell it. <laughs> Maybe he will. Uh, that brings us to the final point of Richard's email, which is, why is no one worried about fingerprints? This thief takes his glove off to handle the figurine, then Jimmy breaks into the copy guy's car with no gloves. It's just sloppy criminaling. I agree, but I think in the universe, they've established that this is such a small crime that you're, no one's going to dust a fucking humble figure for prints if you sell it on eBay. There's no serial numbers. There's no tracking. Like yeah. these are, we saw that they are being trafficked at the time fairly regularly. So like, I just don't think it's going to be a thing. Now, I think Jimmy, maybe you know, Jimmy is like I said, bad at assessing risk, right? Bad at factoring that into his equation. Maybe right. he simply doesn't care about the fingerprints, right? And also, like, will this guy? I mean, from this guy's perspective, I guess the dust for prints, you'd have to report a crime. And yeah, I, I mean, think you're they, supposed to understand that this guy thinks his car just rolled, like, it started yeah. weirding out and rolled down the lot. Uh-huh. So, and he's going to come back and, like, if the windows were smashed in his business, maybe. But, like, if Jimmy did a tight job of breaking in and did no damage and there's nothing the guy can see missing from the store, why would why would people be dusting for fingerprints? Right. J- Jimmy, the fingerprints will not be a problem unless they get caught. Right. And Jimmy doesn't think he's going to get caught, so therefore in his head, fingerprints are not a problem. Right, right. Uh, which, again, would is it might mean that the, the, the Villa gang has in mind a potential problem for Jimmy in the future. Could be. All right, let's get to Doug L's uh, legal corner. Uh, he's got some information about the Mesa, Mesa Verde mess, the Mesa mess. Mesa, Mesa, God damn it, Mesa mess. 
I can't address the banking regulations the show touched on because those are way outside my practice area. But one thing is clear to me is that Kim has way too much work on her hands. Yeah. It's not just the number of banks are increasing. Those banks are in other states. Now, fortunately, New Mexico has repres- rep- oh, for fuck's sake. reciprocity rules with other states, which allows New Mexican attorneys to be more easily licensed there without having to take a new state mm. bar's exam. For example, Utah is one such state. Nevada, however, is not. That means for Kim to handle uh, Mesa Verde branches in Las Vegas or Reno, she'd either have to partner up with a local attorney or take the Nevada bar herself. The same is also true if Mesa Verde were to push further west into California. Um, you know, suffice to say, taking the bar is not a trivial thing to do. Yeah. Um, and it would take time to study, time to take the test, travel. I mean, it seems like if Kim's going to go that route, she'd just have to staff up. But that's the other yeah. problem is um, growing a business and hiring employees is also uh, – it's a net productivity loss until that employee comes in and works out and starts doing work. Mm-hmm. So you're taking steps backwards to scale up, and you know that I, I think that's where Kim's feeling the, the pinch. But, yeah, like I, 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 even without being a legal expert, I got as they were talking about all the states and all the yeah. expansion that it's just – more than a one-woman law firm can handle. Yeah, I mean, even without the, you know, even with the reciprocity thing, okay, so maybe she can easily get licensed in that state, but she's got to learn the laws in that state. Right, right. That's going to take some work. Right, and I'm sure there's a lot of, like, overriding, like, uh, federal standards and all that, stuff. but it's just just, just a tremendous amount of work. Mm -hmm. And look at all the models. My God, the models. How's she going to build all those buildings? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a a real nightmare. She's just one woman. Uh, and that's all we got for this week for Better Call Saul. Uh, if you would like to send us feedback, it's easy. BetterCastSaul at BaldMove.com. You can also discuss uh, each week in the forums. We start a thread uh, for each episode on forums.baldmove.com. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.